chapter 8 importance of human birth partaking food collected by arms bhaisabhai's devotion sleeping with tatyan marsapati my obeisance to sri ganesh to sri saraswati to sri guru maharaj to the family deity to sri sita ramachandra my most humble obeisance i bow in reverence to the most venerable guru sri sainath in the last chapter it has been narrated how no one could say if sai was a hindu or a muslim how great was the good fortune of sachchiridi that baba made it his own home how initially baba came as a young lad and had later become a mad fakir to the people how he made a beautiful garden out of a place which was originally rough and barren how after a time on the same spot came up a wada also how baba excelled in the bold yogic practice of dhotipoti and khand yoga and the protector of devotees that he was how baba wore out his body taking their sufferings upon himself how can i describe all this adequately now listen further to the great significance of being born a human to the descriptions of baba's practice of collecting arms and of bhaisabhai's selfless service to the saints as also of baba's astonishing way of taking meals how the three of them that is tatya baba and marsapati used to sleep in the mosque and how sai samarth used to go to the house of kushal chand at rahata the day dawns and set in the evening years have devoured us half the lifetime passes in slumber and even the remaining half brings no peace and happiness childhood is spent absorbed in play the youth in armorous pursuits of the youthful maidens and old age in the weariness brought on by the debility of disease and disease and forever plagued by maladies to come into the world only to fatten the body to keep on breathing and live up to a ripe old age and this is the fulfillment is this the fulfillment of human birth attainment of the supreme is really the highest achievement of human life or else what is so wanting in the existence of dogs pigs and other animals the dogs also fill their bellies and goes on procreating to their hearts content then what is the great significance of the human birth when both a dog and a human being are in the same position if nurture of the few if nurture of the physical body and copulation alone are the means of fulfillment of the ultimate goals of human existence then this human birth is meaningless indeed <coughs> if the life be spent only in the fourfold activities of eating drinking sleeping etc then what is the difference between dogs and humans think of yourself and judge if this alone is the fulfillment of the human body then what is the deficiency in the existence of bees and plants the bellows too breathe in and out even dogs nourish and fatten their bodies but a human being is emancipated he is fearless and he is free and he is ever everlasting to have this awareness itself is the fulfillment of this birth from where do i come who am i why have i a human birth he who knows the principles of all this is a proficient man without knowledge everything everything is futile just the flame of the nanda deep appears at the same from the beginning to the end but undergoes change from moment to moment so also is the state of the body childhood youth and old age these are states apparent to all people but they come and go mostly most naturally without anyone ever realizing it the state of the flame that we see in this moment ends in the same instant and appears to be the same although constantly changing similarly what this body is in this moment it will not be the same the next moment this body is the outlet of excreta dirt phlegm pus saliva such are the ill boding qualities it bears this human body is the habitation of worms and insects 
and is a storehouse of various diseases, is mortal and transient. It is a cartload with flesh, blood and muscle, a frame of skin and bones, a stinking pit of excrement and urine, an encumbering appendage of the soul indeed. This body with its skin, flesh, blood, mucus, fat, marrow, bones, air, as one of the humors of the body and certain loathsome parts like genitals and the anus is but short-lived. But unpropitious, destructible and transient are this human body and is yet it is the only instrument of attaining God. The home of all sanctity, pursued as we are all, all the time by birth and death, the horrors of its very ideas, dogs or footsteps, and yet when life departs, it leaves all of a sudden. Who keeps count of how many come and how many go? By day and by night, some are even born with the longevity of the sage Markandeya, but even they cannot escape death. While in such transient human body, the time spent in listening to the stories of the saints, by remembering whom merit is acquired, is a time well spent. The rest of the time is wasted. When such awareness comes with a certainty, it is in itself the advantage of being born a human, but without personal experience, nobody is convinced of the truth of this. I think this is exactly what every human being goes through. I mean, as a child and then later on as a youth, then later on as a grahastha. And from grahastha, when he tra transcends that and he goes towards old age, it's the same story. There is no, there is no difference between anybody. So, here what he is trying to say is, what use is this life? What is the use of this life? So, we need to find out why are we born? What is the need for us being born over here? Who are we? You cannot say that I am the son of so-and-so or the daughter of so-and-so. It doesn't help. Again, is it all about drinking, sleeping, having sex and all those? Is this the only thing that life is all about? No. Is it the only thing that procreation is the only uh, objective? No, that also is not the objective. Then this body has been given to us so that we can make use of the body and reach the divine. That is the only reason why this body has been made. Otherwise, imagine, there is no difference between a dog and a human being. It's all the same. The dog does the same thing as any human being does. There is no difference between them and us. So that is the reason why he is mentioning that we have to make the best possible use of the body. And yet, one has to undertake a deep study even to get this experience. Hence, he who desires lasting happiness should endeavor to attain this glory. Wife, son, prosperity, wealth, in fact the kingdom of this boundless earth, a man may attain by God's grace, and yet his heart is insatiated. But with lasting happiness and peace as the objective before the mind, when God is worshipped by seeing him in every living being, it will lead to attainment of salvation or moksha. By putting together skin, flesh, blood and bones, this human frame is made up with a great obstacle in the spiritual path. Hence, give up all attachment to it. Treat it only as your servant. Do not exalt it un unduly. Do not pamper it at all, at, at all the time and allow it to pave the way to hell. <coughs> give it food and clothing. Enough for subsistence and also nurture for the time being so that it may be made use of for your spiritual upliftment and the final liberation from birth and death. Subject to calamities of birth, death, etc. about to be destroyed any moment, such is this perpetually unhappy human existence. 
or what use is it momentary happiness actually uh, today in the morning there was some story that we, that was going on where the person says that i am the happiest i have a husband i have children i have children i have husband i don't have any problems in this world i am the happiest person on earth i have a mother in law who takes care of everything there is no need for me to do anything in this world when somebody talks like this it is going against every possible scripture on this planet earth because there can never be a single person that is born who can say i am happy there can never be it is completely against it's like telling the sun is not hot i mean you put your hand in the sun and you say that it is not hot that is being very very hypocritical that is being very very you know what i could sense is the person is telling lies to the teeth there isn't a single person on this earth who is happy the person is always suffering the suffering starts right at birth and then it goes on and on and on and on and on whether it is childhood whether it is youth whether it is marriage whether it is children whether it is getting old wherever that you go it's all going to be the same so it is birth life and death and there is no happiness believe me if there was happiness then you would have reached the state of emancipation right there itself there is no such thing as happiness the way it is then you don't even have to try for emancipation you can live like a dog on the streets even the dog has to struggle for existence every human being to a smallest of the creatures that is even a tiny ant has to struggle the struggle is on and it is constant misery it's constant unhappiness it's constantly we are struggling 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 all the time so it was very surprising when somebody says that the aspiration for happiness every is there any person in this world who doesn't aspire for happiness take case of even the person on the street he is also looking for happiness so what is the happiness that he is seeking the happiness that he is seeking is can i get some food to eat somebody who is going to school the happiness is can i come first somebody who is after some girl or some boy the person will say if i get this girl i will be happy i mean is there anybody on this world who can say that i got this girl or i got this boy and i am happy if you have if you have that can i please raise your hands nobody in this world can raise their hands let me assure you aspiring for happiness even a dog aspires for happiness even a worm aspire, aspires for happiness even the cow is saying i have to take care of my children i am also aspiring for happiness finally the cow is getting slaughtered she is being left on the streets what is the use i mean if that is the kind of life that a person is aspiring for there is no harm in aspiring for happiness every tom dick harry jones kutta billy sab everybody aspires for happiness the futility is you are never going to give up the desire the desire is what never goes away let me assure you 
if it is today then the desire is for tomorrow if it is tomorrow then it is for day after tomorrow and then it is after that and then it is after that so every day your desires keep on adding up adding up adding up adding up adding up you think it's going to ever end never today if the milk is become 32 rupees liter suddenly in the paper today it has come they now there is a new milk which has come with 37 rupees a liter and after a few days it will become 40 rupees and then it will become 45 and then 50 so you mean to say that you are not going to have any desires or you are not going to so happiness will be suppose you are drinking one cup of milk a day even till you die you want to drink but it doesn't work like that that means you have to keep on working more and more and more and more and more and desires are always going to be there aspirations are always going to be there you are always running after this ephemeral fruit which is called happiness happiness is like the shadow you can never catch the shadow the shadow is always running behind you or maybe it's in front of you but you can never catch it it is unreal it's unreal because the shadow appears from the body it is appearing because there is a light somewhere either in front or behind so we are thinking that if i run towards that then maybe i will catch the shadow it doesn't work like that it never happens so what are we supposed to do we are supposed to understand our true worth who we are what we are the moment you understand that if the moment this question is answered you understand this most important thing you are not the body then where is the question of shadow the shadow is of the body the happiness that the body is running after <laughs> not you you are always in sat chit ananda you are always in permanent happiness so the you that divine being is always permanently happy because there is nothing to run after isn't it it's the body which runs after the body wants to uh, run after everything eating drinking sleeping you know getting married having children getting old running after this and running is the body which is supposed to do all those things but if you think you are the body you are making the biggest mistake of your life so aspiration for happiness always is of the body not of the human not of this divine being that we are actually searching for and that is the reason why it is very important to understand what we are doing give it food and clothing enough for subsistence as also nurture for its time being so that it may be set made use of in your spiritual upliftment and the final liberation from birth and death you should only give that much to the body which is just enough not more have clothes which are just enough not pile up your entire wardrobe with tons and tons of clothes which you are not even going to wear how many clothes can a person wear i mean think about it those who have got married will understand this you know the the expensive saree or the expensive uh, wedding gown which a person has taken how many times in 30 40 years of marriage can the person wear it but you have gone and spent a bomb on that saree or that coat incidentally the coat which i wore during my wedding i think i must have worn it only once or twice 
It just become a waste. There is no use to that. It's the same thing. Food. I don't understand. So that is the reason why he says, as much as the body requires, give it that much amount of food only and that much amount of clothing only. Don't keep on having aspirations. I want this, I want that, I want that. So that is what he says. Subject to calamities of birth, death, etc. about to be destroyed any moment. Such is the perpetually unhappy human existence. Of what use is its momentary happiness? The happiness is very, very tiny moment in time. You get happiness, then you become sad. You get happiness, then again you become sad. Think about it. Suppose the happiness lies in coming first in class. You will come first in class. After that, what happens? You have come already. So then, now you want to come first next year. Then you want to come next year after that. Then you want to come after that. So from one level to the other, to the other, to the other. You may get the fanciest of the degrees. Think about it. There are lots of engineers sitting over here, lots of very highly educated people sitting here. Do you think all those equations and the things that you learnt even in your final year of any use to you for earning the food that is there on the table? I hardly believe in that because it may have given you the job. But what job are you doing at the end of it? Nothing. It is not connected any which way to what you have learned. All the science, chemistry, physics, geography, history, I, I don't know whether any of these knowledge is any time useful. That doesn't mean that you should not study. It means that you have to give it as much importance, just like the amount of importance you are giving the food and the amount of food that you are giving the clothing, that much amount of importance. It will give you a job. That's it. Beyond that, the next thing is to search for this eternal happiness where, which is what we are actually looking for. So as the lightning which appears in a flash or the ripples that momentarily appear on the ocean, such are the short-lived pleasures of the body. Give some thought to this, knowing fully well that the body, house, wife, children, people around you are all destructible and having borne the bears to the parents on the shoulders to the grave. A man yet does not awaken to the truth. He still continues in the same way as those who have already departed before him, thus making the rounds of the birth-death cycle, but does not stop a moment to think as to the means by which this can be restrained. In attending all the time to the well-being and prosperity of the family, life passes away swiftly, but time is diligent in counting the years as they pass and will never forget his duty. But when the last moment comes, he will not pause even for a moment but will, like a fisherman, pull the net tightly and at that moment of death, the human being will toss about it in helpless agony, like a fish caught in the net. It is by plentitude of great good fortune and by accumulating scores of meritorious deeds that the human birth is acquired. Hence, make the most of this opportunity you have. Even with the gigantic effort of Bhagirath, this human body cannot be attained. Only by destiny it comes in our hands, quite unexpectedly. Do not throw it away in the dust in vain. One who postpones anything to the next birth is a fool to believe that, though in this birth this human body slips out of his hand. He will definitely get it back in the next. So many sinners mingle with the male seamen and appear at the entrance of the womb to get a human body according to their karma. 
Many even more wild as a result of their karma move from the lower order of mobile creatures to be born as immobile beings. In accordance with the knowledge attained and the karma performed, one is ordained to get a particular body. This is a knowledge according to the Shruti also. For Shruti, the compassionate mother says, according to one's knowledge, one is born. As is the store of knowledge, so is also the birth that is it a being gets. Incomprehensible are the ways of God. It is impossible to understand them fully. Blessed is that human being who can attain even a fraction of knowledge about them. By greatest good fortune one gets human birth and by great accumulated merit is one born a Brahmin. But God's grace alone brings one to Sai's feet. Rare indeed is the perfect gain to have all three. Varied are the species of created beings, but that of the human beings is the highest among them. For it is only possible for the humans to think, who has created us, from where do we come, and the like. See, in the preceding uh, lines over here, he gave one very beautiful thing, which he says, you know, according to the karma, or according to whatever is your actual desire, you are going to get your next body. Now let us say for example, today you have a desire, I want to have money. Lots and lots and lots of it. Okay, now you have thrown this desire to the, to the gods and said that I want to have so much of money you cannot even imagine. Now I want to give you a hypothetical situation. Tomorrow there will be no money the way you look at it, the notes that are there. But you have asked for money, isn't it? So God may say, okay fine, you wanted so much of money that you cannot even carry. Okay, let me make you a, a small tiny worm inside a very big uh, note factory or maybe somewhere like that. What will you do? You really think that you, you will have the benefit of that? I don't understand. You, you see those, um, the things which eat the paper and all. Maybe you will be that, who knows. So many of them, so many notes in front of you. Eat as much as you want. What is the use? So every time when a person asks for something, he better be careful what he is asking for. So the next time, I am sure you remember the story of Hiranyakashyap. He, he tried to cover up all the angles. I want this, 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 this. But God is always very smart. He has got a <laughs> brain which is faster than yours and everything better than yours. So what to do? So he says, I want... I should not be killed outside or inside. Okay? So I'll kill you in between. Alright. Neither on uh, top or neither at the bottom. So he suspends him in the air. Neither by an animal nor by a human being. Okay? So if that is what you want, I'll give you that also. Imagine. You cannot cover up all the angles. So the next time when you are asking for something, kindly be very careful what exactly you are asking for. Because you don't even know what you are going to get. So it is always better, isn't it, that to know fully well that there is a God out there who will take care of us. Whatever the need arises of the hour, He is going to give us. What is the point in asking Him, I want this, I want that, I want that. He may, lend, even he may end, end up giving you something which you will regret it the end, rest of your life. It's better not to have. I am sure there are people over here who have said, you know, who, whose relatives or whose friends 
they have said, I want a child. And finally what has happened? They have ended up with a child who is born autistic. Think about it. The entire life of the child, forget the child, that entire parents, what is going to happen to them? What is going to happen to them? The entire life is destroyed. The mother can't do anything besides taking care of the child. The husband is only bothered about kitna paisa kama ke lao, how much money can I get so that I can give him the best of the treatment or her the best of the treatment. It's, it's, it's a very pathetic situation. So what is it that you are actually asking for? And what is it that you are getting? So it is always better, isn't it? That let us not put our foot in our mouth and ask for some nonsense which which may turn out into completely something wrong. Yes, the thing which which will come up is, but it is your karma, isn't it? Yes, it is a karma, no doubt about it. How do you know? So that is one of the reasons why it is always said that let us not get into these kind of things. Just be at the feet of the Lord and just let him do whatever is required. Other species do not understand anything. They are born, one day they die without any understanding of the past, present or the future or the existence of the Supreme Being. So God was happy to create the human being thinking that man will use his discretion and wisdom, will embrace renunciation and detachment and will worship him. Since there is none other in his creation who is endowed with the means as that of the human body to attain salvation, he thought man will use this body for sadhana and will attain the immortality of Narayan himself. A magician is himself very clever. He never performs a trick before an audience that is ignorant. He he anticipates an audience that will appreciate the secret of his deafness. Similarly, after having created innumerable birds, animals, trees, worms and insects, the lord of the creation was left with a feeling of great astonishment and regret thinking that all his achievement was meaningless. See, if you have a small toy and if you don't have anybody to play with it, what is the use of the toy, isn't it? So God when he made all this world and all the creatures he put inside, naturally he was thinking, Ki, what is it that I, I can do? So there has to be somebody who needs to enjoy. But the person who is enjoyed should always be thankful to the one who has given him that, isn't it? We are never thankful. We are always fighting with each other, saying that, ye mera hai, ye tera hai, ye te, mera hai, ye tera hai. Finally, end of it, think about it, it's neither yours nor mine. Nobody owns anything. Uh, you have written something just like Hiranyakashyap desire brought forth Narasimha's form. Does every form has the desire of someone as a cause? No. Everything that the Lord does, everything that the Lord does is for this line which was mentioned over here. He wants his disciple, his, his uh, whatever you know birth that he has given to the creatures on this planet earth or wherever, to recognize him, to go towards him. That is the main reason for it. You see, when you give birth to a child, don't you want that little recognition from the child ki and I am the mother or I am the father? Okay? At the end of the day, when the child is getting a, a very big degree over there, don't you feel proud about it? God also wants to feel proud about the way he has created his own creatures. He wants them to feel, to do things in this world which will make him feel nice about you. But what do we do? 
we fight with each other we call each other names we do all sorts of nonsensical things and just like the parents feel that that's their son or their daughter should do something which is worthwhile which is called the duty in the same way the god feels that i have given a certain duty to this man he doesn't want to do anything he is bothered about his own happiness he is thinking about the little bit of happiness that he is going to get so why have i made why does a company employ you the company employs you because there is some work to be done isn't it god has sent creatures over here on the planet so that things can happen the world can go on ahead and ahead and what do we do over here we come on this earth and we keep on cribbing about every goddamn thing on earth and we see ye barabar nahi hai wo sahi nahi hai wo acha nahi hai wo diye nahi hai so the idea is god has made these creatures including a hiranyakashyap like like a written over here so that people learn from it just now i used the example of hiranyakashyap so that it goes in everybody's head that this is what i should not do isn't it by example that we understand all this so it can be the best example shri ram the life of shri ram why do we do that so that we can understand he has taken birth for two reasons the two reasons is one so that he can establish the dharma in this world see the dharma is what what is the dharma that which he deems it isn't it that which the lord deems it that is the dharma whatever the lord has deemed of you that is the dharma and the second one is the duty isn't it the duty to achieve the dharma is it not important to do, do the duty if arjuna says i am not going to lift the bow and arrow because i have become uh, a, a sanyasi or i have become i want to go to the mountains because i met shivji see i met shivji i want to become like him then why is arjuna there Arjuna can take a hike he doesn't need to be in the mahabharata he can take a hike he doesn't have to be a hero he can go away so these are the two reasons why the lord has specifically mentioned in all the shrutis that you have to be here everybody has to be here one that is because all dharma has to be established number two to doing our duty whatever the god deems it fit these are the reasons so oh such a boundless expanse of the universe with the sun the moon the countless stars and yet no one has the least thought or admiration for this marvelous achievements of the creator not a creature knows for certain what is my purpose as the lord of the universe in creating this sport until therefore a creature is created with so sharp an intellect as to understand and admire this incomparable glory of my work all this achievement of mine is in vain this is what the lord is thinking so the almighty created a human form he thought with the power of this discriminating knowledge man will know me he will be amazed with the knowledge of my inconceivable grandeur as also my unexcelled power and will realize that the entire universe is but a sport of my maya only he will be able to acquire knowledge reflect and meditate upon me and be filled with awe and wonder and that will bring my sport to completion the happiness of the spectator is in itself the fullness of my sport seeing my perfect control over the world man will feel f- fulfilled 
to perform pleasurable karmas or to earn wealth is not the purpose of nurturing this body. The fulfillment of the human life lies in acquiring the supreme knowledge till breath leaves the body. Realization of non-duality between Jiva, Jivatma and Paramatma is the supreme knowledge. It is what Upanishads call the Brahmanyana. And the worship and the service to the Lord is also the same. This is why it is implied in saying Bhagwan of the Guru, of the devotee. He who has attained this knowledge of non-duality, that is the Guru and the Brahma, are not separable. And worship is in this spirit and will find it easy to overcome Maya. Those men of faith who have attained knowledge and renunciation are alone fit to enjoy self-absorption. Know that such devotees are truly fortunate. To regard oneself as fulfilled and perfect without having removed the ignorance arising out of the awareness of the true self creates a strange impediment. Knowledge and ignorance are both states of mind that gives rise to the illusions and error. As one thorn is pulled out by another thorn, so remove the one with the other. Dispel ignorance by knowledge. However, the highest purpose of human existence is to go beyond knowledge and ignorance and merge in the pure self. Unless the oil of sensual attachment is burnt out completely, the darkness of ignorance is reduced to ashes and the wick of me and mine is burnt to cinders, knowledge will not shine forth in all its radiance. Know that all the actions pertaining to the human body, whether evitable or inevitable, are performed with the conscious determination or plan. And this line is very very essential and important. Please understand, till the attachment to this material world, till the attachment to the body that you have, till the attachment to everything in the material world that is there, knowledge doesn't dawn on a person. The knowledge will be, this is my house, this is my child, this is my husband, this is my children, this is my uh, mother, father. Everything is mine, 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 mine. When so many attachments are there, where is the knowledge going to dawn? So where is God there? God is not there. So that is the reason why he says, this spiritual knowledge does not dawn on that person. If one has no other work to do, one should quietly enjoy comfort and prosperity or take Ramnam. It will bring freedom from the cares and from desires. The bodily organs, mind and intellect are all limitations to which the Atma is subject. Due to these, though himself without a beginning and a non-enjoyer, the Atma brings upon himself the suffering resulting from karma. Thus, though a non-enjoyer by nature, the suffering of the Atma is due to limitations and for this, Nyaya Shastra has given proof by making use of the Anvaya Avyatarik. Know this to be the one vital principle and leave the necessary karma or action and also the various processes of the mind to the intellect. As for yourself, act as a non-doer of action. Conduct yourself according to the dictates of your own dharma. Always contemplate on the Atma. Distinguish him from the Anatma. That is knowing the real from the unreal. This is very important. And the first word is Dharma. What is yours word Dharma? Why are you here? That is what is known. See, I'll, I'll do that earlier word later on. Okay. Always contemplate on the Atma, distinguishing himself from the Anatma. This is the ultimate goal of human life, which lies in the contentment that comes from the self-absorption. There is no other means of obtaining the four principles of human life, Artha, Dharma, Kam, Moksha, except that the human body and the man who devotes himself to the study of how this can be done will attain the status of Sri Narayan himself. Hence, while the body is not yet fallen, endeavor to know your true self. Do not waste even a moment of this human birth. The salt water of the ocean undergoes a transformation in the clouds to become sweet water. 
Happiness follows uh, similarly when one is absorbed at the Guru's feet. No one except the Guru knows how this human body can be truly liberated. And it is only when the Guru takes them in the hand that the dull and the ignorant beings are uplifted. Mantra, places of worship, God, Brahmins, practitioners of astrology and astronomy, Vaidyas and lastly the seventh one that is Guru Raj. All these are effective only according to one's faith in them. In the same proportion as the degree of faith is reposed in any of these, will the measure of success be achieved? See in the previous line what he has mentioned, all these people that are mentioned over here. Mantra. If you don't have any faith in mantra, you cannot achieve. You know there is a very very famous uh, story where the child is told, keep on saying the name of God and nobody will come and touch you. And the child just keeps on saying Ram 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 and goes through the jungle. Just that mantra is sufficient to take him through the jungle. It's the same story of Vibhishan and that person. The the word that was written over there was Rama. On that leaf, if you remember the story. And he was walking on the water. And suddenly when he his faith, he wanted to see what is in that that is keeping him afloat. And the moment he read that it's only the word called Ram, he sank because there was no faith left. That's what is called mantra. Place of worship. There are so many places of worship. But if you don't have any faith in them, nothing will be there. God, Brahmins, practitioners of astrology and astronomy. You know, we go to an astrologer believing in astrology. It's only because of the belief that the thing comes true. Do you know that? You see, if you start believing in that astrologer, and if you keep on going to that astrologer, he says, Tumare Rahu mein aisa hai, Ketu mein aisa hai, ye shani dasha chal rahi hai, aisa chal rahi hai, aisa chal rahi hai, chalo ye karo. Chalo wo karo, wo mandir mein jao. Itna nariyal fodo. Think about it. Do you think that is what is making it happen or it's your faith that is making it happen? The end of the day, it is how much you believe in is actually making it happen. So, Vaidyas. Vaidyas means doctors. How many times have we gone to a doctor and say, hey doctor, useless hai, iska medicine kaam hi nahi karta hai. But the same medicine or lesser medicine is given by some other doctor whom you believe in and he starts working. Isn't it very strange? So all these are effective. And the lastly, seventh one, that is Guru Raj. Guru is somebody whom you have to have faith. If you don't have faith, nothing is going to work. So it's the same thing. Faith is what drives everything around. Not anybody. So whether it is God also, whether it is Guru also, if you don't have faith in either of them, nothing is going to work. So in the same proportion all that, as the degree of faith is reposed in any of these, will the measure of success be achieved? Saints turn a worldly man into a spiritual seeker and such a seeker into a man emancipated. And to do this, they become manifest from their unmanifested state, all for the benefit of others. That which cannot be accomplished by lectures or Puranas is easily accomplished by merely observing the behavior of the saints. Their movements, their conducts are wordless instructions. Rare indeed is a man who practices forgiveness, calm, detachment, compassion of all beings, benevolence, self-restraint and humility. By means of example is what is mentioned over here. Okay? What cannot be learned by reading a book is easily learned by observing a person in action. The light that the numerous constellations or stars cannot give is given by the sun alone. Here in this case I just I'll give you an example. Think, uh, think about this example. Uh, today in the morning Aditya came downstairs over here and I told him that you know 
if you want to work over here, you need to come here in time. It didn't drive, the, the point was not driven home. So I gave him one very simple understanding. I said to him, I said, think about it. Tomorrow you will have children. And if you are used to getting up at 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock, what is your child going to do? His school may be starting at 7 a.m. in the morning. He will keep on lagaving dandi. He will say, my father is sleeping, so I will also sleep. Okay. Forget about that. Suppose you don't want children, but you are going to have a, a, maybe a wife. And your wife gets up at 11 and you get up at 10. What is going to happen? So what are you going to do? You are going to make food and all that. And she is going to sleep. Or she is going to make and you are going to sleep. So if you get up early, she will also get up early. If you give the right advice to your children, you also have to do that. So here in this case, if you want to set an example, you have to do accordingly. So what is it that he is doing? Sai Baba was a person who was very kind, benevolent, nice. He was always awake. He was always doing things for everybody else in the world. He was not self-centered. He was not a person, I want it for myself. He was doing it for every other person in the world. Whatever he was doing, he was doing it for others. He would be up in the morning till late in the night. He was always serving people. Serving people is so very important. And that is what the saint was doing. So, why isn't it, why is it impossible to do that? I mean, you want to serve only your family. Is that what you are trying to say? What about the world? So, if I am learning from Sai Baba that I have to serve the world, that I am a spiritual being and anybody who comes after me also has to do the same, isn't it? It's not only that I have to serve my two or three people in my family or the five people that I have. No, what are you doing about it? What is your swadharma then? Your swadharma is just to have a family and be running after them? Is that what the swadharma is talking about? So understand what is important in this world. Why are all these people running around over here? They are running around because it is important that that is what they got to do. And so the example that is set forth by the Guru is followed by the Shishyas as well. So, saints turn a worldly man into a spiritual seeker and such a seeker into a man emancipated. That is going towards emancipation. Emancipation means realization. And to do this, they become manifest for their unmanifested sale, all for the benefit of others. That which cannot be accomplished by lectures or Puranas is easily accomplished by merely observing the behavior of the saint. Their movements, their conduct are worldless instructions. Rare indeed is a man who practices forgiveness, calm, detachment, compassion for all beings, benevolence, self-restraint and humility. What cannot be learned by reading a book is easily learned by observing a person in action. The light that the numerous constellations of stars cannot give is given by the sun alone. So it is that these benevolent saints, all the natural actions liberate the living beings from the worldly bondage, bringing them great happiness. Sai Maharaj is one of these great saints. With boundless spiritual wealth and grandeur, always self-absorbed, his conduct was yet like a fakir. He always looked upon all equally, had no attachment to me and mine and was compassionate towards all beings as we saw, as he saw the supreme being in all creatures. 
Pleasure brought him no elation, sorrow, no grief. The wealthy and the pauper were to him the same. How can this wonderful state of mind be a commonplace? He who could make a wealthy man or a pauper by merely lifting an eyebrow could however go himself from door to door a jolly in hand. Blessed indeed are these are those whose, whose door Baba appeared to collect arms and spreading out the palms called out, Oh my daughter, give me a quarter of your bhakri. That bhakri is that jawar bhakri that comes, no? Jawar, in Karnataka, they, I think most of the villages and all this serve is jawar bhakri. That's so, one of the best things to eat rather. <laughs> Picking up a tumbler. In one hand and in the other hand, the jholi, he would himself go door to door to a few fixed households every day. Vegetable, curried or dry, milk, buttermilk, all these food items are poured into that one tumbler by the people. Oh, what an extraordinary way of collecting food. And to receive the cooked rice or bhakri, he would spread out the jholi. But the liquid dishes, whatever they might be, were all poured together in that one tumbler. And from where would the relish from each separate dish arise? When the palate knew not the knew not the indulgence of any enjoying tastes and flavors, how can such a desire arise in the mind at all? I'll give you a very funny thing over here. Do you know? Let us say, for example, you are eating one chapati, you are eating one rice, you are eating some dal, sabji, this, that, and a sweet. Okay, and you are eating something else, maybe a chutney or a, or a, or a pickle or something like that. You know you are eating these separate, separate. Okay. Now mix them together. Mix all these things together including the sweet that is there and try tasting it. You will not do it. But when it goes inside, it is going inside the stomach all as one only. Isn't it very funny? See, when you eat all this, so where is it that is actually hurting it, you know? Where is it actually hitting you very hard? It's the tongue. Think about it. We are so much attached to that tongue of ours. We want to eat everything separately, 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 separately. Savoring each and everything. And yet it all goes in one stomach and gets turned around. Doesn't it seem very funny to you? The sages understand this very well. You know what they do? They mix everything and they eat. Actually they mix everything in the plate and they will eat. It doesn't make a difference to them. Because a normal human being is after tastes of this, that, 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 that. But the sage is least bothered. He will just in one, one you know, one vessel, he collects everything. He says, you put these, you put these, all the wet items in one and the dry items he will take in his jolly. And he will go, what did he used to do? He used to go in one, one place and there was one big matka over there, big handa we used to call it. He will put everything in that one. All the things that he has, somewhere he has got rice, somewhere he has got chapati, bakari and all that. He will put everything in that one vessel. Then from the market, he will go and buy little, he will tell, you know, people, Ki, give me uh, this thing, little, cha, cha, this thing, kya bolte hai mirchi, uh, chili, kothamir, and uh, dhania, and this and that, and he will get all those things, 
and you know this olden time pata pata varanda used to call it he will sit on the floor with his two legs apart and he will keep on doing that and grind it and then he will take it with his hands and put it in that vessel put water in it and start boiling it from below strangest part of it all was he never had a ladle by the way ladle you know na bada sa hum log marathi mein dowl bolte hain what he would do is he has ajan bahu i told you no ajan bahu is hands up to his knees so he would take his hand like this raise his kafni up and he would put his hand in that hot vessel and keep on stirring it like this with his hand it was an amazing sight you you don't even want to touch the chapati on the <laughs> on the gas you will take a chimta and do it you know but here there was this great person who was doing this in a very very strange manner so we'll continue <sighs> whatever fell in the jolly fruit purchasedly he would be content to eat whether it was tasty or tasteless it is matter not as if the tongue was devoid of all taste every day in the morning he would collect alms in the village with which he would satisfy his hunger and be content and the alms which they were all collected regularly no indeed only when he felt so inclined that he would go for them with the result sometimes he would go to the village for the alms as many as 12 times in one day the food so collected would then be put into wide mouth earthen jars in the mosque from which crows and dogs freely poured to of the food the lady who swept the mosque and the courtyard also took home some 10 or 12 bakris from it and no one prohibited her from doing so he would not even dream of shooing away cats and dogs how will he ever refuse food to the poor and weak blessed blessed was his life in the beginning he became well known to the people as the mad fakir what greatness could be expected in one who filled his belly by begging for morsels but the fakir was generous friendly and without any expectation volatile outwardly inwardly he was steadfast and tranquil his ways were beyond all comprehensions and even in that means petty village there was some who were very kind by nature they considered him to be a sadhu patya kote's mother vaizabai used to carry a basket on her head with bakris and take them to the forest at noon mile after mile she would wander in the forest in search of the fakir tramping over the thick shrubs and bushes and would trace the mad fakir falling at his feet when she found him how great was his kindness and nobility Going into the woods and forests, she used to feed Baba a simple meal of dry and curried vegetables and bhakri in the afternoon. And to the end of the day, Baba also did not forget this devoted service of hers. Remembering it fully well, he saw to the son's welfare. But Baizabai and husband truly had a firm faith in the fakir. In fact, the fakir was to them both the Lord Almighty Himself. After all, it was only in the faithful that God really belongs. The fakir used to be in deep meditation. Baizabai would set out a leaf. serve food from the basket in it and with some effort would feed him baba always said fakiri is the true kingship for fakiri is everlasting but see how transient riches are by the way the word fakiri over here i'll, I'll explain it to you what does a fakir do fakir first he doesn't have any income of his own okay it's only when he needs money to give to others that he will ask from others do you know that he never asks anything for himself when he wants to give to somebody else and he believes that that person needs it that he will ask money from everybody and he will say give me so much give me so much give me so much and that time we really wonder why does he need he is a fakir but what people don't seem to understand is he is not asking for himself not at all not even a penny because baba never spent anything on himself everything was bhiksha only 
So fakiri. Fakiri means bhiksha. He will go out and beg from people. Like the money. He would beg from people. He would say, give it to me. He would go and ask for food from people. People would give him clothes to wear. People would give everything that he wanted. That they felt that he needed. They will come and give it to him. So basically this is called fakiri. The way of life is this. The way of life is this. You are free from all kinds of attachments. You don't have to own anything in this world. The Lord is there. He will give you whatever is, whatever is needed of you. What is this that everybody runs after? I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. Those who are truly the devotees of the Lord, they need not bother about anything. Everything will be given by the Lord. So that is something that we have to understand. Hmm. Where were we? Fakiri. Later Baba abandoned the forest and came to stay in the village. He began to take food in the mosque, thereby saving mother all the arduous efforts. From then onwards his regular practice was kept up by the couple and after them by Tatya. Blessed, blessed are the same in whose heart dwells Vasudev God forever. Blessed are those devotees to who by rare good fortune are enriched by the saintly company. Tatya was very lucky indeed. Malsapati also must have accumulated great past marriage for they were both enjoyed privilege by Baba's company equally. Tatya and Malsapati both slept in the mosque itself. The love that Baba had equally for both of them was indescribable. Their heads used to be in three directions, east, west and north, while their feet would touch each other in the center. Thus spreading out their sheets, they would keep on talking in all kinds of manners of things. And if one of them appeared to be dozing off, another would waken him. If Tatya started snoring, Baba would suddenly get up and turning him upside down would press his head down. <laughs> Taking Marzapati with him, both would clasp Tatya closely, squeeze him tight, press his legs and would also rub his back vigorously. In this way, for 14 years, Tatya slept in the mosque with Baba. Oh, how wonderful were those days. They were etched in their memory permanently. Leaving the parents at home, Tatya out of this fondness for Baba, used to sleep in the mosque. With what measures can that love be measured? Who can assess the value of that grace? Then his father died. The responsibility of the household fell on Tatya and he became the head of the family and himself became the husband. Then he started sleeping on his own house. Only when there is such a steadfast faith will there be size marvelous experiences. Even without being asked for and to the devotee it's a miracle. Similarly, there is a very well-known gentleman of Rahata called Kushalchand who was a wealthy Nagarshet of the village. Just as the well-known devotee Ganpat Kote Patil was a great favorite with Baba, so also Kushal Chan's uncle very dear to him. Though of the Marwari community, he had great fondness for Baba and they used to meet frequently to the great pleasure of both. After some time, as God willed, the senior Shetji passed away and Baba did not forget the friendship. In fact, the loving concern of the family redoubled. Later on, too, Baba's affection for Kushal Chan grew steadily and so long as he lived, he watched over the welfare day and night. Taking with him his loving companions, Baba would go to Rahata a mile away and a half from Shirdi, sometimes in a bullock cart, sometimes in a tonga. At the village boundary, he would receive by the villagers amidst a class of musical instruments like dham, shehnai, etc. with a loving devotion and then they would bow at his feet. Lovingly, Baba would then be taken to the village with ceremony to the delight of everyone. Kushalchan would take Baba in his own house and making him comfortable in his seat, would offer him some refreshments. Both would then recall old times which made them very happy. Who can describe their joy? When the joyful meeting, light refreshments of food, etc. were over, Baba would return to Shirdi with his companion filled with rejoicing on the self. Rahata village was situated on one side and the other was Nimga. Between these two stood Shirdi. From this central point of Shirdi, although Baba never physically went beyond the two villages during his lifetime, yet we know everything that happened anywhere. To no one other place did he ever go, nor had he ever seen the train, 
But the arrival, departure and the timetable of the trains he knew perfectly. To catch the train in good time, the devotee would make great preparations. But when they went to the, take the permission, Baba would merely say, Why have you become so impatient? But Baba, if I don't make haste now, I will miss my train to Bombay and my job will be in jeopardy for my boss will surely sack me. There is no other master here. Go, have a piece of bhakri, have your meal at noon and then go. And who had the intrepidity to defy these words? Young and old, wise and discerning. They all had experienced the truth. Whoever obeyed his orders never missed the train, but he who disobeyed him readily experienced difficulty. Innumerable are such experiences one after the other, and each a new one and a unique one which I shall narrate briefly. Hemad now seeks refuge at Sai's feet. In the next chapter, the same narration of how the devotees had to take Baba's permission to return home will be made. How he who had the permission would go and he who did not have it would stay back, but he who disobeyed would come to harm will be described in the next chapter. Similarly, Baba adopting the Madhukari practice and why Baba chose to eat food according to the food collected at arms, how he absorbed himself from such scenes such as Panchishuna etc. will be explained later. Hence with great insistence, I pray to my listeners from the moment to moment that they should listen to the story of Sai from their own benefit. We'll be to all. Here ends the 8th chapter of Sri Sai Samad Satchavita called The Importance of Human Birth. Partaking food collected by arms, Baisa Bai's devotion, sleeping with Tatyan Mahasapati as inspired by the saints and the virtuous and composed by the devotee Himad Pan. So, uh, see, we'll just see. Anvay is the law of positiveness of being of one thing under the being of some other things. As an example, wherever there is smoke, there is fire. Vyatirik is the law of negation or the necessary non-being of one thing under the non-being of some other thing. As an example, where there is no fire, there is no smoke. It is positive and the negative of the same. Got it? So, is the, see these two things which are there, Madhukari and the Panchasuna, we will do in the next chapter. Okay? And that's a very interesting concept which you will learn. So, is there any question? <laughs>